1: This is the unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio
0: why people come to espn radio and tune in to unsportsmanlike every morning you get a lot of fun facts some useless maybe useful but mostly useless information that'll just help set you up for your week it's monday it's christmas day you've got courtney crone <laughs> and mike Rostine in for evan canty and michelle here on espn radio and now welcoming in our audience on espn Two. the show as always presented by progressive insurance a fun fact here coming out of the week 16 slate of the nfl came from jets owner woody johnson who told the new york post that he does indeed plan to run it back with robert sala with Joe Douglas and, of course, Aaron Rodgers, who we heard from earlier in the week, who confirmed that he will not be playing this year coming off his Achilles tear. But the big news on Sunday, Mike, following the Jets' 30-28 to win, the last second win that they had over the Washington Commanders, is that this group, as currently constructed, is going to be in place in 2024 <laughs> after a very disappointing 2023
2: Yeah, well, I mean, part of the reason for the disappointing 2023 is because Aaron Rodgers played four plays. Now, if I am Woody Johnson, this is where it gets interesting because I look around the NFL and look at how many quarterbacks and how many teams have had quarterbacks being injured. We were just talking about the Minnesota Vikings. We were just talking about the Cleveland Browns. Guess what? They're still hanging around in the playoffs. This defense is playoff caliber, this offense has not been. This offense has been off and on a mess all year long. I, I get why Woody Johnson wants to run it back with Robert Sala and Joe Douglas. And it's because they paid all of this money for Aaron Rodgers. They made this deal for Aaron Rodgers. And if Aaron Rodgers wants that, they're going all in with Aaron Rodgers. Because, Courtney, here's what they can do if and when it doesn't work with Aaron Rodgers or when Aaron Rodgers retires if they're not happy with it they can then blow it all up because they're going to have to rebuild anyway
0: can you imagine having to do that again after they've been blow have they not yes. been like in the constant process of blowing I, it up every couple of years like that is I, the jets way they like try something it fails they blow it up but like all of that investment that they made to think that it was going to all be over after one year and this endorsement from Woody Johnson came pre-game. I remember, like, right before the 1 p.m. window started, you get this report from the New York Post and other outlets end up confirming it. And then this team blows a (laughs) 27-7 to halftime lead. Thank goodness Greg Zerline, who, you know, they're talking about pieces for next year. Make sure that you have him under contract because I think he's pretty good. And he helped you escape this Washington team that, you know, had you on the ropes there in the final minutes of the game. But it's an endorsement that felt very calculated in terms of the timing, but I'm not so sure that this was in a vacuum, a moment that wasn't spurred, or at least that we weren't clued in on earlier in the week. I want you to hear from Aaron Rodgers. This was on the Pat McAfee show on December 19th. So this was Tuesday. He let us know that he wasn't, it was, uh, what was his word, unrealistic that it was going to be 100% medically cleared. I could have told you that, and I'm not a doctor. But... Outside of that, because that was the headline, these comments that he made about Robert Sala and the Jets, you know, organization as far as front office and coaching staff, to me, these comments are what spurred what Woody Johnson said on Sunday.
2: I believe in Joe Douglas. I think he's put together uh, a lot of great drafts and and, uh, a great roster. We obviously had a number of difficult injuries this season. I believe in Robert Sala. I think he's a fantastic coach. I think he's about the right stuff. What you emphasize, you're going to get. And I think he emphasizes the right things, being about the right stuff, how to be a professional. Um, I believe in Nate Hackett. You always have. I think the offense that he runs is quarterback friendly. And Obviously, it was geared around me and my abilities and what I do well and my ability to get to the line of scrimmage and get us in a good play and to survive bad plays.
0: If that's not an endorsement, <laughs> then – and this is Aaron Rodgers. That's an general, This is general manager Aaron Rodgers. And <laughs> I say that in a tongue-in-cheek manner, but we do know how much influence he had on all three of those individuals that he mentioned there, specifically the last one, Nathaniel Hackett, is with the New York Jets organization following bombing out with the Denver Broncos because Aaron Rodgers wanted him. I knew in this moment, and maybe you're the same, Like I knew when he said that, I'm like, oh, they're running this thing back. Like, There's no question in my mind. There's no changes. No. Rich Cimini, our colleague who covers the Jets, is going to have a relatively easy offseason for a change because when Aaron Rodgers speaks for the organization the way he did on the Pat McAfee show – that's detailing what's happening behind closed doors and what the decision is going to be for all three of those individuals mentioned heading into the next season.
2: No, without question, because Aaron Rodgers is driving this bus like it is the Aaron Rodgers bus. It's, you know, a, a giant school bus. It's the Jets school bus. Like it, it, he is driving this bus because you look at who they brought in offensively too. They brought in Randall Cobb. They brought in Alan mm. Lazardo. Who were those? All of those his buddies. Some, yeah, those are some of Aaron Rodgers' favorite targets. Now, here is why maybe just maybe the Jets should be concerned. Since 2000, there have been a bunch of coaches who have had th- three losing seasons to start their head coaching careers with a team. Most times, those coaches get fired. The coaches that have remained, I'm going to give this list to you, Courtney. After for a fourth season, this is what has happened. Gus Bradley was kept. With the Jaguars, he was fired late in year four at a, with a 2-12 and record. Jeff Fisher with the Rams, well, he was kept after three under 500 seasons, fired late in year five with a 4-9 and record after four straight losing seasons. Mike Nolan with the Can't 49ers yeah, fired maybe. seven games into his fourth season after three losing seasons. Dom Capers with the Texans, losing years all four years. But to Dom Capers' fairness, that was also the first four years Mm -hmm. of the Texans being in existence. So that's not a good track record for Robert Sala here going forward, although there is the caveat of they probably wouldn't have been under 500 this year if Aaron Rodgers played.
0: That's fair. And all the pieces were in place. What Aaron Rodgers said, you know, they had to overcome a lot of injuries and they weren't able to do that. Even yesterday, though, Trevor Simeon didn't have a great game, but it was enough to help this Jets team get its sixth win of the season. They've already been eliminated from postseason contention. That happened last week in what's very likely the last time we'll see Zach Wilson in a Jets uniform. He got knocked out of that game due to the offensive line uh, protection or lack thereof, but Trevor Simeon doing just enough to help this offense stay alive, stay afloat, and be able to come back from blowing that 27-7 halftime lead. Is that a good
3: thing for the Jets? Like, Do the Jets want to be winning games still with Trevor Simeon?
0: I, mean, I feel course, like that's just not helping them at posi- all. No, I mean, it affects their draft positioning. But, like, can you imagine Woody Johnson giving that big of a vote of confidence pregame and then they actually do end up blowing that lead? Like that's, I mean, yes, that I can't believe it. That would can be very Jets. you walk that back then at that point?
2: That, no, because that would be very Jets. I grew up in New York. I grew up going to Jets games at the old Meadowlands. I sat in the stands when I was 11 and watched them with Ken O'Brien and hoping that Jets Jeff Blake would get in with Browning Nagle. I know the Jets' history. The Jets' history is just a rinse-repeat cycle. It's like you're just in a constant spin cycle of pain if you are with the Jets. Because for every time you have Mark Sanchez and you have two years of hope, well, then it falls apart. Like, this is just what happens with the Jets. The Jets can't have nice things. It's very simple because when they do have nice things, they sign Vinny Tessaverde. What happened? Similar thing to what happened with Aaron Rodgers in the first game of the season. This is just the lament of Jets fans. I have a lot of them who I'm friends with in New York. This is just what happens with the Jets. There are certain franchises that can't ever seem to get it right. We were talking about the Lions earlier, Courtney. They were a team that seemed to never be able to get it right. That feels like they have now. The Browns are a team that never seemed like they were able to get it right. Maybe they have now with Kevin Stefanski. The Jets are kind of trying to figure out how to get to that point. They're hoping that maybe that happens next year. That's why they're doing
0: this. So the vote of confidence came in pregame following the win. Robert Sala had this to say about his job security.
2: I just wanted to follow up though, just on you being the right guy for this team. Obviously you need some personnel additions and so forth, but what makes you so confident that you can get this thing turned around?
4: Um, that's a good question, Rich, and it's fair, but, uh, you know, it's it's just one of those deals where obviously I can sit here and, and give you reasons why I think I'm the right right coach. But at the same time, there's going to be a lot of things that I've got to reflect on to uh, acknowledge and get better at, and uh, uh, not just with myself, but globally, and uh, and use this offseason to make sure we're attacking it in, in a way that uh, gets us toward the goal that we all believe we can get to, which is a championship.
2: Well, what are some of those reasons?
4: Um, we can talk about that in the offseason.
2: We got time
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> That's our good buddy Rich Samini covering the New York Jets for ESPN's NFL Nation, delivering that question to Robert Sala post game. And I want to read you a quote from Woody Johnson, Mike, and get your okay. take on this because this was in the interview with the New York Post pregame. Johnson said, "Quote: He wants to keep the continuity going with Aaron." And the team we've got, like I said a year ago, we need a quarterback. We had a quarterback for four plays. Since then, we haven't been able to replace him. If we have a good quarterback, it makes everybody's job easier. It makes the line better, the receivers better. There is truth to that, but to me, this is so much more than a quarterback thing For for the New York Jets, obviously Aaron Rodgers lasted four plays. They never got a chance to evaluate how good this team could be. But what were we talking about all offseason, up until the point where Aaron Rodgers went on the McAfee show, made it known that he wanted to be traded from Green Bay to the New York Jets as his destination of choice. We were talking about this defense. We were talking about championship caliber window for championship caliber defense. Their window is right now to win. Yet... Robert Sala, who is a defensive-minded coach and is the one calling those plays, this defense in a lot of moments this year came up well short of expectations. So when I'm thinking about Woody Johnson's endorsement to Robert Sala, to running this thing back, I also think that they need to prove that this defense can meet the expectations that they had set before Aaron Rodgers had had gotten there and stuff that they started to show that they were capable of doing at the tail end of the 2022 season, because that it almost feels like we excuse how the Jets perform this year. They're six and nine record right now. The fact that they were eliminated from postseason contention in week 15 solely because Aaron Rodgers wasn't there. But there were a lot of games where I thought this defense that was supposed to be otherworldly and championship caliber just did not reach that level this year. And that's a reflection on the head coach.
2: Well, there's a lot that goes into it, though, Courtney. There's a lot that goes into it. Because if your offense can't do anything, your defense is on the field for an abnormally long amount of time, and they're going to get tired. We see that all the time. But this is a defense, too. They're top five against the pass in the NFL. They've given up a lot of rushing yards, so their run defense has not been particularly good. That is a concern. They need to figure out some stuff in the front seven in the offseason. They're middle of the pack in points allowed. I mean that considering how bad their offense is this is an offense that is 30th in the NFL mm-hmm. in points scored like, you're putting your defense in bad positions, and there's very few defenses that can overcome that on a week-to-week basis, and their offense has just been such a mess. Now, the big, I would say their biggest problem and what put them in this position was that they were tied into Zach Wilson because of where they drafted him. Okay. Their hope, of course, was that they were going to have Zach Wilson learn for a year, maybe two, under Aaron Rodgers, and then they could decide whether or not he was going to be their guy going forward, probably on a short-term deal at that point, if any deal at all. But then Zach Wilson got put in a position where he had to play without really having a ton of benefit of learning behind Aaron Rodgers. And we got a very similar result to what we got the first two years, which we have seen what that has looked like. We have seen that story before.
0: I get that. I'm just saying, don't give that defense a pass. Like, the stats are there. Like, the numbers that you just rattled off, not great against the run. But, like, in terms of their pass defense, in terms of yards, like, they – The numbers are better than at least the numbers look better than how they perform this season. I just think that that should go into the body of work that we evaluate in 2024 when Aaron Rodgers is healthy, but also maybe then you get the full evaluation on Robert Sala as a head coach. I'm not saying he wasn't put in a tough situation, but I just think that his defense, given that that was the strength of this team before Rodgers got there, should still be considered if things are going right, to be the strength of this team or at least one of them uh, going forward in 2024. But Robert Sala, Joe Douglas, this whole crew running it back next, next year, according to Woody Johnson. That is the big news that was delivered on a big win considerably for the New York Jets in Week 16. On Sportsmanlike, it's presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein in for the crew here on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio and ESPN2. Straight ahead, who is the biggest sleeper team in the NFL right now? Maybe it's the Rams. Maybe it's the Seahawks. Who are we not talking about enough over in the other conference in the AFC? We're taking your calls. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. That's the number to get in on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. on Sportsmanlike is presented by Progressive Insurance. See you in a minute.
5: Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: This is the unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN radio.
0: What is wrong with our toast pick? You didn't yell at Michelle, Evan, and Canty for saying rye and sourdough, Pat.
3: Oh, I did. You, it just wasn't in that production.
0: So, <laughs> what, what, is, what is the right answer here since we're so wrong?
3: Normal old white toast. The best so toast. So, like
0: bunny bread. The, you know, you know the what I'm talking about? what now? Bunny Bread, the yellow What's loaf. What's Bunny Bread? What is it's, like, bunny it's like Wonder bread? bread. You know, it comes in the in the loaf that has like the yellow packaging. It's got the little Bunny no. logo on it. No? Uh, Wonder that, Bread? Like are you familiar sh- with Wonder Bread? Yes, but
2: that's not Bunny Bread. Like, is Bunny's that a, a brand. Thing?
0: No, no. It, it's a Southern thing. Um, okay. I remember having it, and I was like, I'm just going to call this Bunny Bread from now on. I actually think Bunny is the name of the of the – it's on the packaging. But all right, so gluten-free bread for you. Yes, but that's that not by like. I mean, sinus. why
3: even eat bread if it's gluten free?
2: Man, it's the improvements right. in gluten-free bread have been amazing in the twenty years since I've had to eat them, Pat. When I started eating it, it was like eating cardboard or like sawdust, but now it, it tastes reasonably good.
0: Yeah, don't get Mike started on this. Reasonably you do good. hours on gluten-free <laughs> items that you can eat, Mike's like if you want like to follow. <laughs> Like Mike's gluten-free journey. Go to his Twitter account at Mike Rostein. Like you post really good-looking yeah. items from all of your NFL travels. You always find the gluten-free bakery. You find the gluten-free Italian restaurants. So you can have pasta. And th- and there are a lot of people out there who I'm sure like look for things like that because it's not exactly easy to find. I know it's more no. you know readily available than it was 20 years ago, but. I guess Evan, Canty, and Michelle don't have that problem. Courtney Cronin and Mike Rothstein sitting <laughs> no, in for them <laughs> here on Unsportsmanlike ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. So the playoff picture becoming a little bit more clear given what happened in Week 16. There were two teams that clinched playoff spots on Sunday. We know that the Lions won their first division title since 1993. The Dolphins then wrapped up their playoff spot in the AFC with that, with that close win over the Dallas Cowboys. They're in. Those two are teams are vying for maintaining their position as division winners. But what about those sleeper teams? What about the teams that are currently in the wild card spots? We're taking your calls on this. 888-ESPN-888-729-3776 is the number to get in on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Let's start out with Matt in Atlantic City. Matt, who is your sleeper in the NFL playoffs?
1: Hey, good morning, Courtney and Michael. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. So I'm going to go two from each conference, okay?
2: I'm going to go in the AFC. I'm going to go to the Buffalo Bills. When Josh Allen isn't turning over the ball, they're using James Cook. Diggs is on fire. That defense is playing well. I know there's pieces out. That team is very dangerous. The NFC, don't sleep on the Rams. Matt Stafford, been there before. Uh, the running back, Williams, when you get him going, Puka Nakua. I mean, Cooper Cup. I mean, that deep, that those two teams are very dangerous. The Rams don't sleep on the Rams. I'm a big Giants fan.
1: It's going to be a long shot with my big blue, getting it upset in the link today. Merry Christmas, guys. Happy Holidays.
0: Hey, Matt, thanks so Happy much for holidays. the call. We appreciate it. Mike, you were talking about the Rams, and I agree. Yeah. Like Where this team has been post-Matthew Stafford injury, remember the one game where Brett Rippon ended up playing? I think they lost that one. Then they had their bye week, and then they started rattling off a bunch of wins in a stretch of about five weeks no one really expected them to currently be the sixth seed in the nfc playoffs and i don't think anybody expected the seahawks to be the seventh seed the nfc west has three teams right now i don't know if that's going to stick but either of those teams would have been my answer to this question rams probably carrying a little bit more weight because the seahawks were in this position last year let's see if they get into the dance if they can make it past the first round in the wild on wild card weekend. The Rams and Matthew Stafford, I know that he's not going to win the MVP, but he damn sure is putting himself in position to be talked about as playing at that level right now in his team's final stretch when you're supposed to be playing your best football in December.
2: Right, it's the MVP award has become, in some ways, the best player on one of the best teams mm-hmm. instead of the most valuable. Because if you took it at, at its word of most valuable, it's probably a different, ro- a different order and a different roster than what we're talking about. Because if you're talking about most valuable, it probably starts with Lamar Jackson and then maybe goes to Matthew Stafford. When you're talking about value to a playoff team right now, those two guys, in terms of quarterbacks, are as valuable to their teams as any in the NFL. And that's what makes the Rams so dangerous, because Matthew Stafford has been there before. He has won a Super Bowl. Cooper Cup has won a Super Bowl. Sean McVay knows what it take. takes. To, he's been to 2 one, one This team in the playoffs is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sold on Seattle. Uh, they're going to... If they're the seven, they're going to go to whoever the two is, whether that's Detroit, whether that's San Francisco, whether that's Philly, I suppose. And they're probably going to lose. Mm -hmm. Miss me with Seattle. I know they won in Detroit earlier this year, but I just don't think this team is built well enough. But the Rams, the Rams can be a very dangerous team. And the other team in the NFC, Courtney, it are the Bucks? They've won four in a row. Baker Mayfield's playing well. If they win this week against New Orleans, they'll win the NFC South. That means they get at least one home game, probably against the Dallas-Philadelphia loser in the NFC East. That's really interesting. I like those two teams as sleepers in the NFC.
0: I also liked his answer about Buffalo. I mean, think yeah. about where they were prior to the win at Arrowhead 3 weeks ago and then the win last week against the Dallas Cowboys just demolishing another playoff team and then what they did against a very dangerous Chargers team and I know I'm I'm not saying that tongue in cheek I'm saying that <laughs> with a straight face because you you know that a team after it fires its head coach realistically doesn't have anything to play for yes the Chargers were eliminated from postseason contention yesterday but Buffalo went back on the road survived the Chargers, and the AFC is still in play for Buffalo. Let's take one more quick call. Mike in Mississippi, you're on Unsportsman. Like, who is your sleeper team?
6: Yeah, my dark horse is the Detroit Lions. I just think they're a very complete team, a solid team. I love their coach. And they're hungry. And I like the Lions. And I'd like to also ask, uh, the Cowboys think they're going to be road warriors now. What makes them think they can turn the switch on now when they ain't turned it on all year? They're three and five. Hey, Mike, that's a, great, that's
0: a great point. Um, yeah. I think there are a lot of Cowboys fans who have to answer that question this morning following what happened in Miami. But to the point of Detroit, we've talked about this offense, Mike. Mike Rossi and Courtney Cronin yeah. here on Unsportsmanlike. And you think about like Jared Goff, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Sam Laporta, uh, Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, like a very balanced attack. They're averaging nearly 395 yards a game. It's that defense to me, which I was unsure about, Going into week 16, they've been all over the place. This Aaron Glenn experiment has has just been a roller coaster. They sacked Nick Mullins four times. They pick him off four times. Performances like that, when you go on the road to do that and your defense can travel, that makes for a dangerous team come January.
2: Right, but it's also two weeks in a row that they've done it now because Mm -hmm. they also annihilated Denver. Yes, they did. Last weekend, or the weekend before. And part of that is because of Aiden Hutchinson, right? They drafted Aiden Hutchinson really high last year. You saw him get really emotional because he maybe more than other than Taylor Decker understands what it is because he grew up in the state. He went to high school there. He went to college at Michigan. He's been there. So he gets what it's like and what this has meant. I don't know if the Lions are a sleeper because, by the way, if Baltimore wins tonight, Mm -hmm. guess who's tied for the number one seed in the Mm -hmm. NFC. That's right. The Detroit lions. And I will say this. I think San Francisco wins the NFC, but if somehow the lions end up with home field advantage, Ford field, Courtney, you've been there because you cover the Vikings and the bears. You've been there when they've been good. That place is as loud as anywhere in the NFL. And that will be a very intimidating place to play come playoff time.
0: All right, plenty more to get to here. Wrapping up the Week 16 slate, putting a bow on that, but also our three NFL games that come your way on Christmas Day. But because it's Christmas Day, of course, we've got NBA on our airwaves. Five games this afternoon, starting out with Milwaukee and the Knicks, Golden State, Denver, Boston, and the Lakers. That is where we turn our attention to next. Are the Lakers an actual threat to win a championship? Given what we've seen so far as we reach the unofficial Really official start of the NBA season on Christmas Day. That's what we get into next here on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio and ESPN2.
2: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens?
4: so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L E C T R I C dot
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio.
0: My Christmas gift to all of you is that you don't have to watch the Detroit Pistons lose another game. <laughs> On Christmas Day. They're not playing today, thankfully. I don't know why anybody would put them on TV anymore as is. What's their, Javante, what is, What are they up to? 26 straight losses now? Something like that? They're
3: up to 26. Man. And counting.
0: <laughs> and counting. Their next chance to win a game might be at the end of January when they face the Spurs, who have four wins to this point. But you won't have to watch them on the NBA's slate of Christmas Day games. Wait, There's hold five on. Five of them. Real quick,
3: Courtney. Yes. I feel like we could make this. A way bigger deal than it actually is so uh Javante please
1: time for the most exciting Pistons fan in the entire NBA to tell you what he saw last night Uh, it's Javante's Detroit Pistons second so Javante what happened
3: as we just say they lost all right thanks Javante
0: I love this segment, (laughs) this feature that you guys do regularly on Unsportsmanlike, Mike Rossi and Courtney Carter. We're in all week for Evan Canty and Michelle. I am sure we will be running it back with Javante. What do we call that? Like Javante talks Pistons.
3: It's a what, Jiva- is it? it's what, what, what is it listed in the system as? It's Javante's <laughs> Pistons second because he doesn't need the full minute.
0: He definitely doesn't. Not no, to talk about not. 26 straight losses and counting. But you won't see bad basketball like that, hopefully, on NBA on uh, Christmas Day with the NBA slate. We've got a double header. Knicks hosting the Bucks, followed by Warriors at Nuggets. Coverage beginning 1130 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. So it's Bucks, Knicks, Warriors, Nuggets, Celtics, Lakers, Sixers, Heat, and Maverick Suns. And Mike, you and I were talking off air. I remember last year at this time, it was Grizzlies and Warriors, like the the Memphis Grizzlies just ripping through the Western Conference to start the season. They had finally had their test. John Morant was doing sit downs saying, I don't think anybody can hold a candle to us in the Western Conference. (laughs) And then we all remember what happened on Christmas Day. They were not able to hold a candle to the Golden State Warriors. Like, Correct me if I'm wrong here, It feels like the intrigue headed into a Lakers-Celtics matchup right now, which is the marquee one of the day in the middle of all five of those games, maybe doesn't have as much, I don't know, intrigue around it. And maybe I'm wrong on this. The in-season tournament I thought was a great addition this year. The Lakers end up winning that trophy, the NBA Cup, $500,000 to each player on the roster. To me, it was a great addition, but it takes away – like the, Christmas Day is supposed to be the official start to the NBA season or at least the point where casual NBA fans will start to tune in more regularly. feels like maybe that already happened. Do you view it that way? Just uh, with the in-season the... tournament and the way that that – at least put eyeballs on the product in November and then going into early December?
2: Uh, the, the, I think the championship game did, especially because the Lakers and the were involved. And, and that really – got some attention to the NBA earlier than typically we would talk about it here on ESPN Radio. I was actually on air that night of the in-season championship, and that's pretty much almost all we talked about because of what was going on and because of how big of a deal LeBron James and the Lakers Mm -hmm. made it. I think that is where some of this has come into play, but also it's just not... there's, I don't know, I, the Maverick Suns game doesn't do a ton for me. Celtics later will be interesting. I will mm-hmm. tune in for that one. But the biggest problem for the NBA is what the problem for the NBA always is until the middle of February. King NFL.
0: Yep.
2: It, it's really that simple. Not every Christmas do we get NFL games. You've got three of them today, including tonight, a potential Super Bowl preview with the Ravens and Niners. So I think that more than anything else has probably taken a little bit of luster away from this NBA slate. But Bucks-Knicks, Celtics-Lakers, those two games are pretty interesting to me today.
0: That's a good point because that happened really during COVID year, right? Like 2020 is when the NFL saw its window to take over the Christmas Day slate. I believe Christmas was on a Saturday, Friday or Saturday that year, and there were games that day, and they haven't given up that window. Fortunately for the NFL, Christmas falling on a Monday you have three games today, starting out with the Chiefs and the Raiders, an AFC West matchup. And then you've got Giants and Eagles, a, an Eagles team that has lost three straight. Like, a lot of eyeballs are going to be on that game, wondering, will they lose to the to an NFC East opponent? Will they, you know, record their fourth straight loss? And then the Super Bowl preview, at least the way that you and I see it, between the Ravens and the 49ers tonight, a lot of, lot of attention on the NFL product. But like, there is a storyline here that has me somewhat intrigued because of what we've seen in the early portion of the season from Joel Embiid. He's not playing tonight when the Sixers travel down to Miami. They're already there, but it's Sixers heat. Uh, that is the 8 p.m. game. Like, they ruled him out because he tweaked his ankle on Friday. The 76ers ended up winning that game against Toronto. He put up 31 points, but we won't see him on Christmas Day, which probably will, will, you know, take a hit to that window because a lot of people are watching Joel Embiid play at an MVP level right now. Like, what he's trying to do in earning back-to-back MVP awards, like, 35 points a game on 54% shooting, 11.7 rebounds a game, and six assists a night. At one point last week, he was averaging more points per game than minutes per game, and that's a Wilt Chamberlain stat. No one had gotten anywhere close to that. Um, the Heat have been outscoring opponents thirteen-ish by but like thirteen-ish points a game. So you expect that this is gonna be a good back and forth affair, but without Joel Embiid, I do wonder if that will make this game lose a little bit of its luster. I mean you could put all that on Tyrese Maxey, but Embiid has been playing out of this world early on. I hope it's sustainable. I guess we'll see when he's able to come back. But I was really I really was hoping to see him today in between that Lakers and Celtics game and then the evening slate where I know most of our attention will end up being on Baltimore and San Francisco in the NFL.
2: Yeah, without question. And what you're talking about with Joel Embiid is Tyrese Maxey is turning into a very nice player, but he's not a number one option. Joel Embiid is the number one option on this team. Remember, all offseason, the conversation was they have to try and keep Joel Embiid happy. And what does that mean with James Harden? And they, of course, end up trading James Harden because you don't want Joel Embiid to eventually say, you know what, I've had enough of this in Philly and, and take a trade. That clearly seems like it's not happening Out. Embiid's leading the NBA in scoring at 35 points a game, which is wild. Mm-hmm. But not only that, he's fifth in rebounds, right? Like, what he is doing, what he has been putting together this year, looks like another MVP season. He's fifth with 11.7 rebounds per game. And he's not that far off of Anthony Davis, currently the leader at 12.4. So you sit here and you say, okay, Is this what this is going to look like for him all year? And because of that, does Philly end up maybe making it past the second round of the playoffs? Mm -hmm. Like that to me, we're talking about playoffs already because that's when the NBA really gets going. And really when a lot of that intrigue is, especially with teams like Philly, who you know are going to be in the postseason.
0: All right. Five games coming your way today begins 1130 AM Eastern time on ESPN radio Bucks, Knicks, Warriors Nuggets coverage on our ESPN radio stations across the country and on the ESPN app. A lot to get into with those games. We'll continue to talk about the NBA's Christmas Day slate as much as we will the NFL's Christmas Day slate. But coming up next, I get to complain about something. Tell me if you've ever heard that before. (laughs) I'm over it here on Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio and ESPN2.
4: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. I'm over it with pat the producer
3: people taking shots at jalen hurts all of a sudden What's over happening? yankees fans the yankees stink and people Have who started. are angry when you put ketchup on a hot dog i, I think you. we've plateaued with christmas movies and people who make ridiculous changes to their orders impatient text i hate people who share videos that are not funny you know i'm over it. i'm
2: sick and tired and over it
0: <laughs> so much for being in the christmas spirit Word is Negative Nancy's over here on ESPN Radio. This is on sportsmen like Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein sitting in for Evan, Canty, and Michelle on this Christmas day. Pat, the producer, I know that you have an axe to grind with just about everything. Welcome. Um, I would like a moment on... I'm over it when I'll save mine, uh, for the very end, because now that I've been introduced to this segment, this is my airing of, this will be my airing of grievances, but I, I'm not going to delay this any further. Like, where are we starting? What are you very, yours isn't that
3: everything that you own is moldy currently?
0: Okay, fine. We'll start with mine because I'm the guest here and the show that I'm hosting all week. Um, We were talking about bread earlier. It came into it came into the conversation because of some rejoin where Evan Canty and Michelle were talking about how rye toast is a superior (laughs) toast. I believe I have that correctly enough sourdough in there. So because I'm very Pavlovian with my responses, somebody says something, it triggers something in my in my giant gourd. And I'm like, oh, I'm hungry now. I want to have something to eat. I want some bread. We have very short breaks here on ESPN Radio. I went over to the fridge I'm like I'm going to make some toast. I noticed something like kind of towards the back. I'm like, oh, it's probably just the lighting. I pull out the bread. There's mold on it. And I came and I showed it to everybody like, it, you know, back That's- in Bristol. No one had sympathy for me. They just made fun of me for having moldy food in my fridge, which is not. I don't know. Is that a character flaw of mine or maybe just the sign of somebody who doesn't grocery shop much because she's covering an NFL team and is a little busy this time well, of year? I'm covering stand. an
2: NFL team too and I have time to go grocery shopping, Courtney. Like Okay, no. All right,
0: well, I'm so, you're so morally <laughs> superior or maybe you don't have mold growing on your gluten-free bread in your I, because fridge. Because I put I'm mine so in the freezer. Sorry. I okay. put
2: even,
3: mine in the freezer. Even Next the mold do doesn't that. want the gluten-free bread.
0: The mold's like, nah, <laughs> it's fine. So that's... That's what I'm over this morning. Pat, what are you over?
3: There are three Christmas songs that I really can't stand, and I wish they would just go away forever. The 12 Days of Christmas is awful and so obviously redundant, which is intentional, but it's so long and so boring and takes up so much time, and by the end of it, I am so ready for just a new song to come on and hopefully Dominic the donkey doesn't Aww. follow it because that
2: song <laughs> e-ha, is e-ha. awful. Awful. E-ha, e-ha. Pat, we're Pat, we're on the same, we're, we're there together, but that, that Dominic the donkey needs to,
0: it's a great to, song. Just walk you guys away. are just not in the Christmas spirit. And, and that's just fine.
3: the third one is grandma got run over by a reindeer. Horrendous.
0: <laughs> I've never Horrendous. understood how that song came to be like the concept of huh. I'm gonna write a song about Santa Claus and his out-of-control sleigh taking out Grandma, who we have no idea if she was still with us after that moment. It's actually kind of dark when you think about it, but I heard that on the radio the other day. It's catchy. It's catchy. (laughs) Santa (laughs) was involved in a hit-and-run. Yeah, whatever. The cops are going after Santa and his sleigh. Meanwhile, poor grandma's getting transported to the ICU in critical condition thanks to the reindeer. Um, hopefully grandma's okay. Hopefully grandma's okay. Uh, I mean, but I yeah, just, I'm with yeah. you. That, song, that song's that song got to go. But I love Dominic the donkey, mostly because it bothers you, Pat. And I'm going to keep making my donkey noise over here all morning.
5: Just Please to irritate don't. you. Please I was going to say
0: something, but I don't know if I can say the word jackass on air. Oh, wait. I just did. It's not. It's FCC compliant. <laughs> I already checked. It means donkey. And that's what I will be as a thorn in your side here on Christmas morning. It's Christmas,
2: man. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I just don't understand why the Simpsons jingle bells. But again, that's when I was like eight, nine years old. Why that still hasn't taken off.
0: Okay. Um, you, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I no, I don't. I'm no, like, trying I to like, think either. about it. Wait, uh, do they have their own version of Jingle Bells?
2: They, they, Bart, yeah, Bart sang a whole Jingle Bells. Yeah.
0: I'll, I guess I'll check it out and see if it's better than any other of the th- 5,000 versions of Jingle Bells that are out there.
3: I mean, it can't I mean, be, can't be worse it, than Dominic the Donkey, so.
0: It's a great song. All right. I mean,
2: uh, I can, I can spoken word it. I'm not going to sing it.
0: That's fine. We don't need to hear that. We'll spare everyone's ears right now. Pat, what's next? What else are you upset about this morning?
3: Uh, Die Hard's a Christmas movie, and people need to stop discrediting it. I know this is cliche at this point, but it bothers me every time. It's so clearly a Christmas movie, and I don't get why people would say that it's not. It blows me away every time. Also, Home Alone's overrated.
0: What is your number one reasoning for Die Hard being a Christmas movie other than it taking place at Christmas time?
3: The plot, the Christmas is crucial to the plot of the movie. The whole movie happens because it's Christmas, and Christmas is a theme throughout the whole movie. And He's it ends wrong. with cr- a Christmas song, and it ends with the papers raining down like it's snow. It's so clearly a Christmas
2: movie. I- I'm with Pat there. I
3: really a lot am. of people that's, get up in
0: right. arms about that. I don't know.
3: Like I've. It's a. They say it's a, They're at a Christmas party. That's why they're all there. Like it's, the whole plot I, is I about think, Christmas. It's just not. Not get winter. About or, I mean, not snowing.
0: I people get upset about it though because it's like an action movie and there's you know Nicolas Cage doing Nicolas Cage stuff, and... That's
3: definitely not Nicolas Cage. Yeah, Bruce
0: that's, Willis, that's, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm gonna so Bruce sorry. Willis and Nicolas Cage are two I'm gonna, I'm totally gonna different humans. I'm going to quit doing the show. That is, like, literally one of the worst mistakes I could have made. Like, this is a quintessential Bruce Willis movie. I am so sorry. Um... I, I got I mean, so caught I'm... up in the thought of that, like people just like to be up in arms about it because it's an action movie.
2: Well, they just right? like to be angry at everything, Courtney. Well, that's like part Pat of it. Like Costello,
0: thing. our producer, who got his own segment because he's so angry about everything. Um, I'm with you though. <laughs> like that's it's it's not a polarizing argument anymore. It's not 2014. No. Like we can go ahead and like retire. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Is it not a Christmas movie? Because um, it is because it is because it is Mike Rothstein said it is Pat Costello said it I'll just sit this one out because I can't even remember the actors in the movie um I think we've got time for one more yeah are you you, you're, you're angry in like expedited fashion here sure
3: yeah Trevor Lawrence calling out Doug Peterson more or less is absolutely insane to me uh do you remember that your coach was Urban Meyer do you remember how bad things were very recently for you trevor lawrence i don't know maybe trust in your super bowl winning head coach that he's taking you in the right direction because you guys stunk so bad that you had to fire your head coach and bring in a new one
0: and well, the fact Urban that he's part of the south. problem too right like a guy put the ball on the ground twice yesterday through two interceptions so correct me if i'm wrong that's multiple turnovers from the quarterback And when he said it looked like we didn't even practice out there, I don't know. Like Mike, I thought that was more of an indictment on the coaching staff and having this team prepared than it was – I mean, obviously he's taking the players into account here and his teammates. Like That's a message just like the one that Jalen Hurts delivered. But I thought that was an unnecessary shot at Doug Peterson too.
2: I didn't take it as that. I took it as him trying to find a way to motivate a team that's clearly struggling, that's floundering, kind of similar to what – Jalen Hurts did a week earlier. Like, no one really took that as a shot at Nick Sirianni. So why are we taking this as a shot at Doug Peterson? It's very similar. The language a little bit different, but the message and the point is very much the same. So, Pat, I I don't think he was taking a shot at Doug Peterson. I'm sure Trevor Lawrence remembers all too well the Urban Meyer-Daryl Bevel experience where he was the only adult in the room.
0: Pat just doesn't like quarterbacks with better hair than him. That's what this boils can, down to. I can right? that. Like, that's got to be top 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 top. part that's of every that's a complex issue top. here. Yeah. I'm sure that you'll have more things coming up in the next couple hours that will upset you, but we'll get back into the NFL slate coming up next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. And the-
1: this is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio.
4: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working...